podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. There's two historians, and they're looking at the remains of one of Henry VIII's wives. And one of them says, why is she covered in bite marks? And the other one says, well, he's Tudor. (laughs) 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 Sensational delivery there, Nate. Sensational. Yeah, very good. I didn't see that one covered. Thanks very much. Appreciate that. I was um, I was I was wondering how that was going to go, you know, when I, when I found it. But um, we've not had a, a history themed joke, I don't think. We haven't, have we? And which is surprising because I'm a history graduate. Little uh, little Easter egg for our listeners there. Oh. I'm a history graduate graduate. Uh, so yeah, more of those to come maybe this year. Maybe we'll just have a Henry VIII themed <laughs> themed gag reel. Oh, well, one of your one of your headshots on ESPN makes you look like Henry VIII, doesn't it? Well, my only headshot, the headshot of me, <laughs> is so squashed into the little circle that I look like. I always say to people, I look like the, the cross between the young, fit, handsome Henry VIII that everyone knows from like younger in his career, and then the famous, like morbidly obese Henry, like somewhere between that, just because the way they've stretched my face out. And I mean, I implore anyone to go find one of my articles; you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, that's a good way to give yourself promotion yeah (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) i knew that was going to happen i was like if i tell a henry the eighth joke i can plug before i've even done before we've even done the intro of like espn.com forward slash formula one (laughs) and you know at nate saunas f1 whatever you know whatever you want to whatever you want to check out i'm there all right Beretta, give us a score and mark him down for this selfless same (laughs) self-promotion i'm going to give you an eight for nate okay ah nice Henry VIII. <laughs> an eight for the Henry VIII. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Love it. I knew that's why you gave me an eight, right? That was that was in your head, wasn't it, already? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, no. Uh, real you good can... joke. Uh, high end, keeping the standard high. Um, good. So, yeah, good work. Thanks, Maybe mate. it's that ho- those holiday vibes. I like the way you said high end, and he's talking about Henry VIII chewing one of his wives. So, <laughs> Chew, anyway. chewing, chewing, yeah, wasn't, yeah, wasn't yeah. biting. I want to, I want to be, I want to be very clear. Chewing, <laughs> yes, um, which sounds worse. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he was a big guy. Maybe that's what he got off on. Who knows? <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> we should start the show, shouldn't we? Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula 1 around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. And Nate is sorry. I am sorry, yeah. Sorry to any Henry VIII fans out there. I didn't mean to insult him. Uh, well, just fans generally of the Tudor era, uh, which I'm sure there are many. There's a big crossover. I've, I've noticed Tudor fans and F1 fans. Seems to be like 99% crossover. Massive. There's more Stuart fans that cross over though, isn't there? Hey, hey. this guy. It's funny because they used to be a race team. And there's a uh, Jack Stewart who's won three titles. Who owned the team, right? God, this is a history episode. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. What else can we say that happened in the past? Uh, F1 World Championship started in 1950. <laughs> oh, Medus, can we get to the reviews to stop Nate just <laughs> rambling on it? <laughs> I can actually. Um, 
mainly like, so one of them i thought was going to fit maybe it's not um someone said my new favorite f1 brackets sort of podcast uh and they said they're glad i plugged the show on missed apex which i did a few weeks ago and it meant more people listen so thank you again to anyone who's still with us who uh, heard that um and they said this is uh rambon wreck from the usa said uh, i knew if i kept listening to them long enough that i'd eventually hear something useful well done so um I, I don't know what they heard that was useful but today it all started off with it it was just full of knowledge like there's just so much detail there from nate yeah anyone can now go and and talk about the tudors or sir jackie stewart and his career and his race team yeah or i mean I they, they could talk about any there's, there's loads of things they can talk about they could talk about the 1906 french grand prix which many consider to be the first motor race um <laughs> which is held on public roads outside the city of Le Mans. Um, I don't know if you know this, but it was organized organized by the Automobile Club de France, the ACF. And they were what they were trying to do, Matt, is they were trying to promote French automobile industry. I think they did a really, really, really good job of that. Um, uh, Get off yeah, Google. So, that was on Google. That's all. That was all off the cuff. It's all off okay. the cuff, you know. Well, and I mean, who could forget? You know, Paul Barra of Brazil. He set the fastest lap. Uh, <laughs> held on to the lead until the third lap. Uh, and then, I mean, who could forget when Sizic took over first position and defended it till the finish. <laughs> Did you, what year did you say that was? 1906, French Grand Prix. Come on, Meadows. Held just outside the city of Le Mans. Uh, I'm yeah. going to move things on to much more modern times of the oh, yeah. great 1909 auto race of Tampa. I mean, I was because... getting to that one because you yeah. saw a sign for it, didn't you? I did, No, I just knew this stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, sorry, sorry. But yeah, you, you knew the sign was there because you knew about the race, right? I just knew everything. I did, yeah, I didn't need to read the sign. I'll take a photo of it to... To, to read this out I, I definitely knew this had all happened and and this is not being read from a photo but it uh, says from this point in front of the Tampa Daily Times building on November the 3rd 1909 was started the Tampa to Jacksonville endurance run to promote good roads for Florida so it wasn't to promote cars it was that they want better roads um, just one way of doing it uh, 16 vehicles plus the confetti pathfinding car and a press car made the grueling four day round trip there were many That's breakdowns, tough. an accident or two, and numerous other tribulations in the uh, as the early models made their way through the mud and the woods and across streams. The promotion did indeed spark bond issues and construction of highways in the state. The event was sponsored by the Tampa Automobile Club and the Tampa Daily Times. Well done, the media, for sponsoring wow. a race. Yeah, good job, media, for making it happen. So, so this... why are we talking about Tampa, Nate? Because I'm currently in Tampa. You were in Tampa last week, and we both met at Daytona. Which is near Tampa. Oh, it's the same state. It's in Florida. More. That's that more geography just, there. Like drive to each other's houses in the UK, and it's a bit. Easy yeah, no fun though, is it? Like and I don't have a car, so can't really do that. Plus, I mean, you know, having to having to go into London. Ugh. <laughs> the place I lived in until June last year. <laughs> yeah, we thought it was just easier to meet in Florida. Yeah. Um, no, sorry. I, I I appreciate the review that you read out, and I appreciate. I hope that this knowledge is adding to the knowledge they're gaining listening like listening now i think every every week we just need a, a random race that we talk about from like before 1950 i'm sure people will love that i'll commit to that that'll be the new 60 second review this year i'll just do it about old races <laughs> <laughs> and people will be like i am i am switching this podcast off <laughs> <laughs> in less than 60 seconds well and before people do that there was another review there was, oh, there yeah, was one on, more on. that actually called it the best F1 podcast, which was very exciting. Oh. Uh, from Ava1467 here in 
Great Britain, which is, I say here, but yeah, Nate is not here. Uh, it says, absolutely top quality F1 podcast, babe. Amazing chat, occasional insight, and all-round good vibes. Uh, the jokes have to be the best part of the podcast, so anyone listening right now, we are past the best part. Um, <laughs> well, that means that means that every episode starts really well and just tails off, doesn't it? And then they, they say, as a dyslexic person, the dyslexic chef's one is the best, and I immediately told my other dyslexic friend. So there you oh, go, look, Nate, people are yeah. spreading your jokes. Wow, uh, that's nice. Anyways, well, love the show, and I'm excited for a new episode. 100% reckon you should listen. And Gasly, love Gasly, yeah. which yes. we just haven't been able to say for long enough because it's we been the off-season, so there we go. No, that was good. I, I like that review. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was you. very nice. We still love Gasly, though, don't we? For absolute clarity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. We're not going to pick a new person to have a catchphrase about this year. <laughs> new year, same Gasly. <laughs> same luck. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, uh, or to be honest... The whole reason Nate and I were actually in Florida wasn't daytime at all. It was because Pierre went and visited the uh, new yes. circuit in Miami, and we were like, we were trying to That's stalk right. him, but but we failed, so we had oh, to go to see another race instead. You should be better. Yeah, we were like, we wanted to get. We, there's going to be a race in Florida this year, obviously for F1 in Miami. So we we're like, we need to go see some race cars in the state. And Meadows have been before. It's not the only reason I'm here. I'm here for two weeks holiday, but I was like, can't not go to the Daytona 24 hours. Um, and you've been twice before Meadows, I think. Three times, mate. Three times. Those are your fourth time. Yeah. Wow. So that's some good. Wow. That's here. like yeah. seventy-two hours plus twenty-four. You've been to <laughs> in ninety-six, mate. Yeah. Ninety-six hours of Daytona. You have done. You're nearly on hundred. Wowzers. One day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do call me Mister Four Time when I. They walk do. In. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're Sebastian Vettel of the Daytona five hundred. Sorry, of the Daytona twenty-four hours, not the five hundred. Which no, is what like you want to do at some point, though, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I would say, I would say Daytona is a pretty impressive place. Like it's huge. The um the grandstand there, when you see it on TV, you think it's pretty pretty big. It's enormous, <laughs> and I can't only imagine what it's like when there's all the fans packed in for the five. Because there's not that many fans there for the for the twenty four hours. Like, there's quite a few, but I don't know what the capacity was. It was maybe twenty thousand, thirty thousand, quite a lot. You actually have more, it seemed, in the infield than in yeah in the grandstand. Most most so people go to the infield, yeah. <laughs> But that kind of race makes sense because it's part it's basically like half oval half infield track you know so you get people camping you get that overnight kind of vibe to it um but yeah i'd recommend if anyone's ever in tampa in late january um you know and now tom brady's retired which i'm very sad about that's really all there is to do in tampa now <laughs> is go to daytona and watch this race i like the way you said it's anything to do in tampa and we're talking about a race that's three hours drive <laughs> yeah. to the other yeah i meant florida yeah um <laughs> But uh, we had fun, didn't we, Matters? It was a good, it was a good event. It was very good fun. It was, it was bloody freezing, which anyone who has seen me moan on Twitter will know I made a big deal <laughs> about. But it was <laughs> absolutely freezing. Uh, it was genuinely below zero UK temps, uh, which is like the coldest race they've had there for ages. It was all over the news about how this Arctic front was hitting America and getting down as low as Florida, and it actually cleared up in terms of like the, it was just raining and gray for the whole week and then saturday sunday was lovely sunshine but just so cold and um we went we saw the start didn't we know we went into the main grandstand and saw the start wandered around on the grid uh, and then we watched the start and once the sun dropped we we're like okay we need to make a move so we went back to the hotel and got some dinner and then came back to watch some night racing and we did not last long outside then but fortunately i'm gonna do some plugging here but um Jess was out there, my better half, uh, on a pass with Ray Howe, which she got through uh, Shami Kalra, who's the founder of Omelagato Watches. Um, and Shami's a good friend, and he 
was just really key to go to the race and you know, have some meetings, and make some contacts. So he knew how cold it was, obviously. And he had this hospitality. Uh, and so did his wife. Uh, and I don't think Jess had a wristband at this point. But anyway, we all came back freezing cold, like nearly midnight, not many people around. Uh, and he was just like, oh, just follow me. It'll be fine. Just walked in. Uh, and we walked into the hospitality unit or like section of the grandstand. Uh, and he was just kind of like, yeah, they're with me and whatever suite it is. And the guys on the door were like, um, should we stop? No, uh, never mind, yeah. too late. And we you can in- see the thought process going through their head. And they were like, nah, yeah, no, they've gone past. Good. Yeah. So um, that meant we could stay warm at least. So we, we have to admit we didn't do it as uh, as all fans would because we did sneak into somewhere much warmer to watch overnight. But um, yeah, the view from up there, especially when there's you know lights just flying at you along the banking, uh, was awesome. You can see the whole circuit. And, yeah, it's incredible. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We did. And that's the thing. I, I can't imagine. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive when there's all the different classes of um sports car there you know uh, you know the prototypes and the gts but i can like the amount of nas I, I i went back on monday and was watching clips of the nascar race there's so many cars packed in on that oval i couldn't quite when i was up there i couldn't quite picture them all driving down there but obviously they go three wide four wide and stuff like that so sit wh- where we were sat must be a pretty incredible experience so i think daytona 500 is now firmly on my bucket list of races to go see um just yeah just as an event i'm not sure if any of our listeners have been to it but i'd love to know feedback of any of you who have whether you liked it any advice um yeah just basically because we want to go <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm in as well i'm 100 percent in on that it, it looks like a lot of fun we've watched it a number of times at testing before in barcelona we found like random bars that'll put it on or, or been streaming on a laptop while we've been in somewhere for dinner and um yeah it's always cool to watch but it'd be so so good to go there for and you're right you get a taste of it at the at the rolex to give it its you know sponsored name but um yeah the 24-hour race is kind of like the the grandstand you have full access to so you can sort of sit anywhere and obviously they use a big chunk of the oval for the race but they use the infield as well um and it's just kind of obviously everything's set up about nascar around the track and there's loads of branding so you, you kind of feel like you could imagine it but um it would be so so cool to go there and do it'd be really really keen but it was still a fun race that we got to see like Pretty much every class went down to the final lap. Um, the DPI class, Castro Neves was holding off Ricky Taylor. So um, that was, they were only a couple of seconds apart throughout the whole kind of final. Well, even the top four were all on the same lap within like 10 seconds uh, at the end of 24 hours because of cautions and things. LMP2 was good fun to watch because you had um, some young IndyCar talents in uh, Pato Award and Colton Herter chasing down good old Louis Delatraz. He used to. Uh, you straight in F2, um, and Herta won that with 15 minutes to go. So that was good. I've got to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop four Meadows here. I was pretty impressed that we were just sat there. It was me, Jess, and, and Meadows on, in the final hour, kind of we'd decamped down to the grandstand itself. And um, Meadows was looking at his phone, and I was like, oh, I, I can't remember how, but Meadows was like, oh, look. And it was, it was a te- text from Pato, right? Pato Award. And you were like, I can't remember. Actually, you tell the but – but it was him basically being like, you know who's who's going to win Meadows and Meadows is like well you guys obviously I thought it was, I thought it was pretty and then you saw him after the race which which I'll say yeah I'd seen him briefly beforehand and was like you know um, good luck but I hadn't really spoken to him and was like suddenly thinking they might actually win it so I dropped a message um, after if the last pit stop so it's under yellows and they'd been leading um, or um, 
Pato and Colton's team had been uh, Dragons mean had been leading, but they lost the lead in the pit stops. So they had to try and overtake Dillatraz for the LMP2 win. And the restart was with, I don't know, about 35 minutes to go. So during the yellow flag caution period, when they'd lost the lead, I, I messaged Pat and was like, you know, um, where's your money? Like, looks like he's got it all to do now. Going to have to, like, win it on track. And for a lot of these, you never can quite tell who's got the quickest car because they're all just trying to stay in the race and make sure they're on the lead lap and in with a shot towards the end. And then they go at 100%. So you haven't quite seen full performance sometimes. But there was a feeling that Colton was a bit quicker. And yeah, Pato just replied being like, my money's on her too. And he sent like a selfie back of him looking kind of like smug. Um, and he was pretty hyped. So I was like, fair play, uh, yeah. because he called it right. Um, Herter did a hell of a job and just kind of slowly closed in and then made a really good move at the the bus stop. So um, yeah, he got it. I think he took took the lead with 15 minutes to go, which in a 24-hour race is incredible. But then it got even better because like a lot of fans there were keen on this, were like really getting involved around us and stuff. But then the the battle that really caught everyone's attention was in the GTs with the two Porsches that were scrapping for the win and they were properly banging doors. Um, mm. right down to the last lap, swapping positions. Uh, and they went side by side into the chicane on the last lap. So it's what, officially four corners from the finish after 24 hours. Uh, and one car came out okay and one car came out backwards. Um, but uh, it was an epic finish. And they still finished one too. But uh, it was so cool to kind of see that that kind of scrap and it getting everyone so excited. Which led me actually to a crazy, crazy column I wrote this week. There's <laughs> an idea I'm going to throw at you guys. But I was like, what if F1 races weren't just F1 races and we had different classes in the same race? Hmm. You know, why not just why don't just run F2 at the same time? Like there's something what, else for them to deal with. Track at the same time. Yeah, yeah, as part no. of the same race. I think it's, I think it's a dreadful idea. <laughs> because think about how wide an F, F1 car is. I don't know. It, it seems like it's wider than. Is it wider than? I don't know. Actually, maybe it's not. But yeah, there's already a traffic's already an issue for those guys, right? With 20 yeah, cars. but they're going to be so much quicker. If you look at it, you're watching, you know, prototypes overtake GTs and LMP cars and stuff. They just have to deal with it. It's something they just have to get on with. Yeah, but like, with the form, the Formula Two race wouldn't be that good, would it? Because they just they'd spend half the race just being lapped by other cars. And you but might then have they races don't decided. Have... You'd have a race decided. Like imagine if you had a race decided because like the leader gets stuck behind a Formula Two car, and then the other guy catches him, or or he gets hit by a Formula Two car by mistake, or or something like that. Like you'd be well, like, that's, that's a bit. That's pretty poor if he gets held up by an F2 car. Hmm. Like, if, if you're in an F1 car and you can't ever take an F2 car, you don't deserve to win the race, I'd say. Yeah, but like... Secondly, we're not going to do this at Monaco, because that would be okay, ridiculous. Well, that's what's good. That's yeah, my like, next point. It's like no, some circuits are not going to get past. Just a, few tra- just a few tracks every now and then. The, the odd random thing. Okay, um, well, that, that, I'm more inclined for that. It sounds Big too run-off gimmicky. Areas, it sounds too gimmicky. No, it's the opposite of gimmicky, isn't it? It's just it's just racing. You just have to deal with other oh, pretty, cars on it's track. it's pretty gimmicky, mate. <laughs> it's nah. the biggest gimmick I've ever heard. You're having to just deal with more. It's just more driving skill needed, isn't it? You have to deal with the the only thing I actually see is like a real reason against is like, well, then, you know, if you want to see something like that, watch endurance racing. But that was one of the things that's so cool about Daytona is that like there's always action, whether there's a battle going on between two cars in the same class or not. Like the, the quicker cars having to get past different class of cars or even the slower cars as such having to like not lose too much time when they're going to be overtaken and things like that the timing of when they do it and you had 61 cars i think start that race on on a track that is an f1 length track it's like just over three miles long so it was comfortably doable created a lot of action which f1 track do you think that would suit if you did uh i so when i went really crazy i went kota and i went what about if you had indycar racing at kota at the same time as f1 
See, that I'd be all for because that, I don't think Formula 2, like, that's not that sexy, is it? Like, I know people like Formula 2, but for most people, they're not going to watch Formula... Like, but IndyCar and Formula 1 racing at the same time, they would be pretty fucking cool. So that, that I'm in. I'm in. I've for, just for, got a few things to fix. Yeah, I've got to fix a few things. I need to fix the way they do their pit stops. Maybe maybe what you do, you put them in the sprint race and the IndyCar cars start first. Yeah, like, they're the first 20 and then the F, F1 cars start 21st down. So not only are you vying for grid position... You're also fighting through a field of IndyCar guys as well, because the F, you know, the, the F1 car again, the the performance differential there should it should be easy enough for the Formula One guys to get through, but still quite tough. So, so here he is talking about too gimmicky, and now he wants to put the F1 cars at the back. If we're entertaining the idea, it can't be Formula Two cars, you know. Like why should why should like some random Formula Two driver be on the grid? But but IndyCar drivers tend to be a lot, uh, you know, a lot more established in their careers. For the most part, I know there's still a lot of younger guys there, but they're a bit more established in their careers. You know, they've they've raced a bit more. Um, yeah, so I would say next, they're a bit more up for this. Next, running. you're going to say put Formula E cars on the same grid. No, nah. no, they're um, they're not very good. I, I can't remember why I didn't think it. Like I, I was like not Formula E. I think I said it with Formula Two just because they're on the. They actually, when I was being, it was just a kind of like a stupid idea. But I thought it was one of those cool things where if you had a really rubbish F1 race as well, that's like just another like challenge for the drivers to have to handle. Um, because I'd love it if they didn't, if we didn't have blue flags in F1 and that they had to actually overtake back markers. But while the performance is so close between cars and it's hard to follow, then that would really influence races massively heavily. Like people would, like Nate says, just get stuck behind a half decent car and, but and that'd be that. I think that while this sounds good to a racing fan, I think most ordinary people don't give a damn about, you know, lapped cars and traffic. They just want to see the two quickest cars racing out in front. So I think you could do it, and most fans, F1 fans and IndyCar fans might find it quite cool. But a lot of fans would be like, what am I, why, why am I watching? Why is there so many cars that look different on this track type thing? Which is totally fine, because a lot of casual fans have joined F1 this year. So I feel like doing something like that would... Uh, sorry, Meadows, but I, I feel like that's the that's going to kill the idea for me. As much as I like the IndyCar idea, and I'm probably going to, you know, when we get to Koto, I'm going to be like, Meadows, let's... Let's do this. <laughs> Let's start the revolution. <laughs> there's, there's the, the really challenging part about that IndyCar idea um, is that they do rolling starts and they have very mm. different pit stops and stuff. So you're kind of going to have to build a whole new pit lane somewhere and you're going to have to like sort out the starts. But apart from that, it's simple. You just do it tomorrow. Um, or do... So what's cool in Daytona as well is that all the different classes start at different points, don't they? So they have... They almost have two rolling starts. Well, yeah, they they're have... just backed up a bit. The GTs, yeah, yeah. Idea. So they don't all start like back bunched together. There's a bit of a gap between them. So you could even do that. IndyCar start like on the back straight. Formula One start at the main straight. Mate, this idea we've revolutionised Cota. Cota's never going to be the same again. Together, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll have to message Bobby Epstein, the circuit owner, and see what he thinks. I think we'll be yeah, all for well... it. He 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 loves he loves an idea like that. And we'll tell him we'll be like, it's not happening in Miami, Bobby. It's just yours, and he'll be like, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, to me. that was def- that was definitely Cota. it. Yeah. But um yeah. but while we while we were sunning ourselves in Daytona and it was freezing. Loretta, you were you were um dodging us also in America. Not mm. dodging you, just happened to be in a different place in America. You didn't come say hello? No, because I was in New York. And to be fair, you came very close, Meadows, didn't you? To you landed in New Yeah, I tried to say hi. Tried... Yeah, landed at Newark, dropped him a message, I was like, Hey mate, you're around for a coffee? He's like, You what? <laughs> uh and i was like yeah i'm just i'm just uh connecting through so see you later yeah and i, I was i was willing to come to wherever you were in newark 
Leguario. You were not willing to come to Newark Airport. <laughs> <laughs> no one's. <laughs> no one's willing to come to Newark. Right, done. Apologies yeah. to people from Newark. <laughs> I don't think uh, I know anyone. It'd be interesting if anyone listens to this podcast who is from Newark. I don't know if anyone is actually from Newark or if it's just the airport. It's like saying someone like someone from Gatwick. It's like <laughs> you might you might come across someone from Crawley, but you're not going to know someone or someone from Heathrow. And it's like, well, if you're at a stretch, someone who lives in Felton, but anyone who actually li- says they live in Heathrow or Gatwick is lying. So I don't think we've got anyone from Newark, mate. You're fine. <laughs> Slag it off where you want. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously. Obviously, we all know the history of New York, don't we? You know, started out as New Amsterdam, <laughs> uh, <laughs> named New York for the uh, <laughs> the Duke of York in 1898. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, sorry, not 1898. I've got that wrong. Just keep chatting, guys. I'll find the date uh, in my that brain. Was, that was young. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, uh, I do like New York. It's been a while since I've been there, um, and I, I thought the weather was going to be absolutely outrageous, so I didn't go. But it looked like you didn't have the worst time. It was awesome. I think it got to minus 12 at some stage <clears throat> during the, the time that I was there, but it was mostly around the kind of minus three, minus four, completely minus doable. 12? Mm-hmm. Gee. And it, I uh, imagine it would have, it would have felt colder with the wind chill, but I don't know. I don't know yeah. how to measure That's that. That's Celsius for everyone listening, not, not, not Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah. Minus 12 <laughs> Fahrenheit is not like day after tomorrow kind of temperature, isn't it? Like, we, yeah. like you'd, have been, you'd have been, you'd have been in a lot of layers of, of clothing. My friend um, Rachel has a really good system for, for Fahrenheit. She says that, cause I never, I'm like, what the hell is Fahrenheit? It's percentage the percentage of how warm it is. So if it's like, so 32 is freezing. So it's 32% like warm or cold when it's, when it's, when it's freezing. So that now makes, so when someone says, oh, it's 75 degrees Fahrenheit, like, is that hot? It's like, yeah, 75 degrees, 75% hot guys. So for any British people listening, that's how you remember it. I feel well, like, it's a, I think it's a good system. Minus myself. 12 degrees Celsius was 10 Fahrenheit. Okay, there we go. Wow. Still double figures, heat wave. Yeah, minus ten percent. Right. That's minus ten percent hot. <laughs> to use, to use, to, I don't know how I feel about this scale. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Of all the things I've said on this podcast, it's probably the weakest. Yeah, it's probably the weakest thing. Uh, but I appreciate you lot. imparting yet more knowledge or trying to. I know. On, on our yeah, list. I mean that's what I'm here so, for is the knowledge. Um, but yeah. um, well, while everyone's got an America story, I have one that I still can't believe happened. So the day after Daytona. Um, I came back on Sunday evening, went and watched some NFL with Meadows and Jess, which was great. Following day, uh, so I'm staying in Tampa um, with my friends Asher and Ashley and their kids uh, in their spare room. They've got a lovely trail near them. So I was like, hey, look, um, you know, they're working and, and Ashley's studying and stuff. So I was like, hey, I'll take your dog for a walk because they've got this lovely trail down the road. And um, so went walking and we're literally five minutes on this walk and a few cyclists are coming. So I move off like the path a little bit. And I'm looking at the, f- the first person's like, oh, hello. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, I didn't know whether people said hello. You know, you know, when, when you've been in London for so long, you kind of just assume no one wants to talk to you. Then <laughs> further down the road, there was, a, there was a lady on a bike cycling towards me. And immediately I was like, I know that person, which is crazy because, I'm, you know, I've never been in Tampa. And it suddenly dawned on me, and she was maybe two meters from me, that it was Carol Baskin from Tiger King. And her, her, her um, farm, her big cat zoo, is just up the road. And that trail actually goes to the up to the big cat rescue so i realized i was like shit like that whole documentary is based on her cycling on this route which is where you know that whole murder for hire kind of conspiracy happened and i i, I immediately messaged the guys upstairs I, I, you won't believe me i've just seen carol baskin and they were furious so we've been here a year 
and all of their neighbors have said oh yeah we've seen her we have but they haven't i did one walk was like five minutes into it and she cycled straight past me and i was so i was so gobsmacked i didn't even i didn't get my phone out to take a picture i just looked at her like mouth open so the next two days i've been for a, a walk and a run down that same path every time a cyclist has come near me i'm like carabasco <laughs> oh, it's not carabasco it's fine it's fine keep running just in case you can get that you can get that shot so that was pretty cool um pretty pretty weird one and um so yeah carabasco it's, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's kind of a sad sad reflection that it probably is the coolest story of the whole like pod and trip so far that, that it's <laughs> oh, about carol baskin like yeah, i don't know, I don't know two, you top that a two second sighting of carol baskin versus daytona going to america everything um it's just random right that's why it's quite interesting it's just complete i was just Unexpected. like what, what on earth what on earth is this about and yeah i didn't do it like didn't didn't stop i didn't say hello like anything like that i think like nodded like acknowledgement like, oh, hey, hello you know morning but i was like oh my god carol fucking baskin as they say on the show <laughs> um so yeah in a, in a week that has been sadly uh ruined by tom brady retiring that was quite nice i've been joking to Meadows that i've been a tampa bay buccaneers fan for a long time and booked this trip to tampa with an off chance that maybe if the bucks had beaten the rams the day before i went they'd have been playing at home on sunday not only did that game not happen i, I get to tampa the same week that brady decides to retire from the nfl just like you know i'm done see you later so I was like, wow, that of all the times I could have gone, I went to the stadium last week and they still had like banners out being like Brady, you know, see you next year and stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I assume they've taken them down now. But um, I, I was, I was livid that the Bucks didn't win. Uh, I don't know if we covered this on the last pod, <clears throat> but it did all come together. So Jess is a 49ers fan. They'd beaten the Packers. So they were going to be playing at the Bucks if the Bucks got their win and they didn't. They lost on the Sunday night, and we flew. Yeah, you were out there, I think, already. Or you flying? You flew the Monday, the day, the next I day. I flew on Monday, so I knew by that point. But I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't. It wasn't like the whole trip was based on that. But it was certainly something I was like, "This would be great if this happened." So, um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's a real first world problem to have, isn't it? The, the NFL game I wanted to watch in Tampa on my holiday didn't happen. Oh, yeah. Well. I'm but sure there's no one playing any. Though, right? I'm having a great time. time. Yeah, it's been really nice, and um, Tampa's a very cool city. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants a, a destination to go to, they might not otherwise have thought of Tampa's your place. Well, before we think about what's happening in the future, I've got one more story from Daytona where I got into the press room on Friday. So I, I was only working sort of like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, doing some podcasting and, uh, some interviews. And then I heard about the presence of a very important person. Uh, who has not yet left BMW to join Aston Martin. That's right. Mike Crack was there. Uh, and I was like, right, I need to meet Mike Crack. And Mike I Crack didn't to... arrive until fr- until Saturday. Hey, um, see? see what I did there? <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, right, can somebody get me a bit of time with Mike Crack? And uh, I, it was discussed. And they're like, yep, sure. Uh, Bill, the BMW representative, was very friendly and said, yeah, he, you know, I think he's up for talking a bit. He's been talking to some people, um, but not about F1, obviously. And I'm like, no, 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 we'll talk about his BMW days. Basically, I wanted to meet the guy uh, and kind of apologize for our last episode uh, in person. Uh, and he he refused a meeting. Uh, word had got round that we'd made fun of him on this podcast. It was unprofessional and he just didn't want anything to do. No, he didn't. He just he was too busy. Um so, Barreto's face while I said that, he was Barretto absolutely was suddenly like, it. My career I was is about over. to die a little bit inside. Yeah. 
no he um yeah he was just a bit too busy and i didn't push too much because yeah saturday sunday we were we were being fans rather than working so uh as much as it would have been the warmest place to be if i'd have gone into the media center to join the race i did not at any stage so uh mm. yeah did, didn't actually meet mike crack at that opportunity but uh i'm sure in the future there'll be more openings and uh i look <laughs> look forward to that yeah i know um but well our listeners seem to enjoy it so i like that everyone is as childish as us people listening couldn't see it but when Meadows was saying it you could see his, his smirk getting bigger and bigger just slowly and then as he said there'll be a few openings it's like a, a i would have giggled <laughs> as i said it but he did the equivalent of that by visually so i found that very funny as well um but in, like jokes aside like it's pretty impressive that he's doing all that and then he's basically jumping into a full f1 season you know like because that's a big commitment out there you know that race is huge so you know I, I obviously don't know the details of contracts and stuff but um yeah to go from that to i mean when's his start date it's not immediately right it's i, I don't, think, I don't think they gave one actually no i don't think i mentioned it but but you'd assume he'd be in place for the first race of the of the, of the year at least um, yeah but don't forget nate we did it we went out there for that race and then we've got that's, a whole that's true yeah to go. yeah that's but true. you were you were on holiday essentially well well Meadows, Meadows no. did a bit of work I did zero work. I was genuinely there on holiday. I mean, and IMSA, were, IMSA were nice enough to give me a pass, which I was very grateful for. And I. This is outrageous, actually. Let's tell yeah. this story, Nate. Well, I never, I didn't ask for the annual pass, but I'm very grateful. I'm going to try and see another race later in the year. And I, you know, I'm going to write some stuff on the back of that one. But I'm in full holiday mode. And I told them, I was like, look, I'm not going to write about it, just so you know. And I was like, that's fine, Nate. I dealt with another man named Nate. It was two Nates chatting about accreditation. It was great. Um, he was a very nice man and he set me up with a great accreditation which I just assumed everyone had Medis didn't Medis had like a just a lowly pass and a lowly parking pass I had like I, I literally was able to drive basically up to like the circuit <laughs> on the infield and park next to the media centre and I was like Medis where, where in the infield do I park and you're like uh, I'm not in the infield dude I'm like outside in some parking lot I've got to get a bus in I had to get a tram that took about 15 minutes and was freezing and yeah, I had a pass that was just like a race by race equivalent, basically, just just for that one race, which is what I've had for the last couple of years. My first year, I got a, a hard card, like a permanent pass for the whole IMSA season. And I think I got to park on the infield that year, but then they changed it all. So I assume that was the same for pretty much everyone. And then Nate rocks up, <laughs> is his pass for the full IMSA season uh, and his special access to the infield. And it also meant I wasn't meant to go on the grid either. So my apologies to IMSA in advance, but I did actually go and um, talk to some drivers as well because... Well, it was open, so why not? But um, yeah, we broke some rules this week. Actually, we were rebels to uh, to go and experience it all. But it is very cool. That is as jealous as I was of Nate's parking spot and his accreditation. Um, it the fact really that you can just go down, me, mate. yeah, yeah. But the much. grid you can go on where they line all the cars up in the pit lane, and all the drivers just stand with their cars and and some team crew around, and fans and guests and stuff can just come up and chat to them, and mm. they do it for a good spell. It's it's not quite as kind of hectic as f1 i'd say it's just a bit more hanging around and have a look it's a bit of a, almost like a show and tell half hour before the race yeah uh, and they even open up some doors into the main grandstand so you can just walk across the track across the banking mm. and into the seats uh, and then they close close it all up again yeah i was thinking when that was happening i was wondering like could you do that in f1 and i don't think you could in theory because you know the teams wouldn't want an extra half hour of their cars just sat there and all that stuff but they the way they did it yeah exactly with those grandstand gates opening I was really impressed with it. I thought it was a super, super idea. And um, yeah, and you saw a lot of fans who were just like looking at like their favorite drivers right up close. And some of them were saying, hey, and whatever. 
Um, they couldn't all get that close, but you know, people even people just stood on the banking in Daytona like this is cool. Not not many times you get a chance to do that, so I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, again, a benefit of there not being so many people there. I don't know whether they do it for their five hundred or whatever. Um, but yeah, it was a good atmosphere. I, I, big fan of it. It was good. So when are you um, coming back to the UK, Nate? Because we've got the important business of launch season, and it seems like you're having too much of a good time. Don't worry, theater. don't worry, listeners. Don't worry, Lawrence. Don't worry, Meadows. I'm back for launch week oh, or launch geez. weeks. I'm back Monday morning. I'm on a red eye. Hang on. I'm back to so work Tuesday. After Hass, do you not class Hass as? Well, I didn't know they were going to launch, launch on Friday. Season? No. Ooh. I mean, look, Ooh. I'm in America. I'm in America, and they're an American team. You can't <laughs> say that, can you? If anything, I'm the most prepared for their launch. Um, no, yeah, so 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 they will be launching on Friday, I believe, um, and then we have three next week, um, which should be pretty interesting. And this is the great thing about the Haas launch is that it will give us like an idea of what these new cars look like. But to people listening, I don't think you should get too carried away with what we're going to see from Haas because it'll be a rendering. They never quite look the same, do they, in person? With and Haas mm-hmm. are great for putting their renders out pretty early. But the car they put out and the render never really looks like the final car. But it gives you a good idea of what their livery looks like, kind of a general idea of the concept. We're going to have a load of people making like wild takes based on what is effectively a computerized image of this car. So it's best to wait until the end of next week when we'll have seen Red Bull, Aston Martin, and McLaren. And I'm really excited about McLaren this year, uh, especially. Um, and then we'll have a, yeah, start having an idea of what things look like. But any, any launch in particular you guys are looking forward to? I'm interested to see what Red Bull have done and the impact of a championship fight to the death, mm. if that has had any impact on their preparations for this year um, or if they've Same. managed to brilliantly juggle it. Um, it's it, They're quite early. They're going to be the second one, aren't they, um, mm. to, to go and a fair few days before Mercedes break cover. I think it's not just going to be Haas, really, that um, unveil a car that isn't really their actual car. I think they're all going no, to hide same. as much as they can. I wouldn't put it past them if they all kind of roll out a sort of, you know, the show car that went round the world with F1. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they roll out the most basic thing that they could get away with. And then we get to test him. And that's when the first chance that we get to see um, the cars, because they want to hide stuff for as, for as long as possible. And do you think we'll get, because Red Bull, remember, had that camo livery. Well, they've had a few camo liveries, haven't they? And that, as, as good as they looked, it's also to kind of make it difficult for other teams to take pictures of, of really sensitive and you know technical bits of the car, so I wonder whether we'll see a lot of those in testing, or sorry, shakedown, and then testing. <laughs> Obviously, Spain is Spain is a shakedown, Bahrain's a test, which is ludicrous. Um, but that that would be quite cool because I've always quite enjoyed that when you don't know the full livery, you just have a testing one. And the Red Bull ones are always great. Alpha had that great Valentine's yeah, Day cool. themed one, which yeah. was amazing. Um, and it, yeah, it just gives you something else to talk about, and on top of all the new car stuff, so it should be should be a fun few weeks. Um, uh- Alpha said they're going to do another uh, testing livery because they're launching after the first shakedown. Um, right. So that'd be cool to see what they go with. I'm, I'm kind of keen to see them all, though, just because they're all new. So I feel like you will actually get some variety. But as you guys say, maybe it won't be until the shakedown that we can actually look at them and see where the real differences are. But mm. yeah, I think the fact that some people have played it down, others have talked it up. But if you think back to 2009 and the proper change in concept of how a car was like that was a, a complete concept change uh new tires which we now have as well um complete aero like um updates that turned the grid almost upside down i mean red bull were midfield running before that or like lower midfield but braun as honda had been 
one of the slowest teams, Ferrari and McLaren, the quickest teams, and McLaren was slowest at the end of testing and Ferrari were nowhere as well. So to have then Braun and Red Bull as the top two and Toyota at the front and Williams pretty handy as well was like a real switch around at the start of 2009. It would be really cool if that happened with these, but it's more just knowing that when you look at each car, there might be one that just appears out of nowhere from any team mm. that you go, that's that's interesting. And, you know, I mean, it would be less, I'm not that technically minded, so it'll be more I'd need another more technically minded person or another team to turn around and go like, actually, that's a really cool idea or different idea or something we thought was illegal, but clearly isn't. They're the sort of moments when you then go, actually, someone might have got this really right and someone might have got this really wrong. So um, that's what's exciting me. And that's what I'm, I'm really keen to to kind of see. And I'm, I'm glad that we're getting started now with those things because, um, yeah, just seeing new cars on track at testing is always is always fun. And Nate mentioned it before, but it's been a short off season. It was a tiring year last year. Um, and then we brought it upon ourselves to fly across the States for another race. But um, it's been like quite hard to get really G'd up for a new season. And when you see new cars on track at testing that are totally different, that always does it. Yeah, yeah 100%. I think... The weird thing this year going into testing is that I'm not, I'd love all of those things you said to be true, but I think there's still so much, like the engine formula isn't changing so much. Well, it's not at all, is it? So I think that the strength of the engines this year at the start of the season is still going to keep the packing order fairly similar. It might bring the field together, but hey, I might be wrong. I mean, again, I'm not very technically minded and that is true, actually. Usually, usually when these cars come out, I will message like one of like three tech journals being like, hey, dude, what am I looking at? (laughs) What am I looking at here? Um, and I thought I always like as well is that when when those come out and everyone's getting excited about them, the exact you know Adrian Newey, all the big tech guys for other teams are having the same moment you are where they're looking at the car for the first time and thinking like oh wow like we didn't think of that or oh they've and 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 those guys would have thought oh they've done that concept which we considered but we went this way and they'll and and they might be like idiots they've done that we know that that's slower <laughs> we think it's slower or they might be like ah oh, shit they did do that that's interesting or they've done this with the car. I always, I would always love to be a, like a fly in the room in those in those moments when teams kind of kind of think like, oh shit, did we do the right thing? You know, have they have they done that? Like we didn't commit to it, they did because obviously these decisions aren't just made a few weeks ago. They would have committed to these concepts a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And once you're down that route, as you guys know, once you're down that route, you're kind of set. So I always find that quite fascinating. It must be a day or days of just anxiety and dread that you see a car that you're like, ah, oh, that does actually look pretty quick shit maybe we should have done that and you can't just then be like yeah guys change the whole thing because you've committed to a whole philosophy and every little part of the car affects the other bits of the car so i always I, yeah i'd love to, that could even be netflix doing that would be fun you know having a camera with like adrian Newey when mercedes released their car and just to see his reaction you know like unfiltered whether he's like shit or whether he's like ha yeah they're going to be slow like because because they would know like they would have a, they would have a sense of it i think Nate's just here creating content for Netflix. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Netflix, sign me up. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> Nateflix, would you call it? <laughs> oh, why have we never thought of that? I've thought of it a long time ago. <laughs> it's the first time I've said it publicly. Every day you're thinking that. Yeah, exactly. Just waiting for that opportunity to make that joke. Yeah. Yeah. I might change yeah, maybe I'll change my Twitter name to Nateflix Saunders. Um for the for when the when the series comes out. Maybe. A day, yeah. You'll get a lot of hate for it. Do it. Probably. No, Meadows, don't encourage hating on me. Yeah, please don't. I I don't get that much. I I always find, I find a lot of my hate just very funny. People call me, like, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this, and, like, when people say, Nate, you're bald, it's like, I know, man. Like, (laughs) 
like, of course, like, of course I am. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And you're like, no, I, I, I mean, it's true. Like, I, I don't understand why that's an insult. Like, and then they're like, "Yeah, you're you 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 look short." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm five eight. Like, again, <laughs> fact. Again, it's it's an that's an absolute fact. Like, I don't know why you're saying these th- things to me. Like, I don't know them. You know, it's very funny. Someone called and me. You have a beard. Yeah. Oh God, really? Is that what that is? <laughs> on my face. Didn't know that. So, um, um no I feel insults, please. Like we're digressing, so this might be a good time to wrap <laughs> yes. things up. Um, yeah. Hopefully, I'm going to see you guys at some point over launch season. Um, are you Are you going to come to some launches? I'm gonna, going gonna, to. You going to do any work? I'm going to attend a lo- any launch that I'm able to attend. I will attend. There's well, only one a... so far, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. that, I, that I'm aware of. Who's this? Who's this McLaren and letting us go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, McLaren on Friday. Week. Um, Friday yeah, week. that'll be fun. Uh, I think that is the only one that we've been invited to. We get to see cars in pit lanes and things at tracks, but um, yeah, no one else wants us there. At the moment, it's digital, isn't it, for the rest, I think. So, um, yeah, but then I'll see you in Barcelona. You both going to Barcelona? Uh-huh. Yep. Both going to Barcelona? Shakedown. Yes. You should be. I should be there. First time, I've still not been to Bahrain, so, you know. No, why? No one will start GoFundMe. Not for Bahrain, just for me. Uh, but I, I'll spend the money in Bahrain if I go. <laughs> <laughs> what a treat. I know, right? I mean, well, seriously, though, if you're listening, go fund me. <laughs> I can't wait to hear um, <laughs> your insight into the new, the cars we're seeing uh, in a couple of weeks at the launches. Because when we next do one, you'll, you will have to give your opinion. In fact, I'm going to ask you for a 60-second review where it's all the cars you've oh, seen so far. That's actually quite a good idea. I quite like that. 60-second review where I have to try and be as technical as possible. Yeah, that would be excellent. Sweet. Uh, I can imagine it'll be a bit like your uh, race report from 1906. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna, it might yeah. sound similar. More, I wonder why. More of that next week. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we won't. We won't. We won't talk about the 19, 1906 French Grand Prix. I mean, what is there left to be said? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I need to end this now. I, yeah, need to, yeah, I, need to I mean, I'm still going to be talking to myself like this, just off off the pod. Yeah, so you probably just should stop. Yeah, Medis, can you Car- just Carol leave? Baskin's going to cycle past you and be like, <laughs> yeah. that guy's crazy. <laughs> she was probably listening to the pod. That's why she didn't stop. She's like, I'm listening to this great pod. She was, <laughs> she was a starstruck as you were. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lawrence, I'll let you sign out now. Well, thank you very much, chaps. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to everyone who is still listening. If there is anyone still out there, you weren't overawed by Nate's facts. Um, please remember <laughs> to follow us on our social channels and hit the subscribe button as well. You can read Nate's work on ESPN.com, Medis' work on Race.com and my work on F1.com. And we'll do this again very, very soon. Bye. Network.